Hall of Sports all plays. Hall of Sports all plays. Hall of Sports all plays. We're making a place. We're talking the game, get you to the days. We're high in the court, the dying in the lane. Variety topics, living the same. All presentations, sports information. In the airways, taking the nation. All sport, all plays, they work in your faces. Grace up the field, so tie the laces. All sports, all plays. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to He's on Fire podcast. You know, I had a specific speech I kind of wanted to give at the opening of this episode. But then Blake joined and he said, you know what? We've got two guys wearing number one and they're both taking us to the playoffs. And you know what? We need to enjoy that. Yeah, we're going to get frustrated with, with what the Phoenix Suns did last night. But at the end of the day, they won and we're the only team with single digit losses. Three years ago, the Arizona Cardinals, just like the Phoenix Suns, had the number one pick. We had Josh Rosen, and everyone's like, no, there's no way we're going to draft Kyler Murray. And sure enough, that's what happened. And every single year, we have gotten better and better. I understand people are going to be upset. I understand. 7-0 and to back into the playoff like this is not what you want. But you know what? We're in the dance. And we're going to find out we got a chance with Blake Murphy. Coming up next, he's on fire podcast. starting to feel more and more hype as the day goes on for this game. I actually have kind of a good feeling. Don't go on record of me saying like, oh, we're going to blow them out or do something like that. No, because I don't think it's going to go that far. I'm just getting a good feeling. And most game days that I wake up and we have a good feeling, good things tend to happen. The other guy that feels the exact same way I do is my man, Jay Joyce. JJ, are you feeling confident right now going into the game? Just so you have just right. know uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm more leaning towards, yeah, about a lot of nerves. Yeah, yeah, I'm feeling the same way. My other co-host, Amit, are you feeling confident going into, going into the game? No. All right. <laughs> Someone's got to play the downer. I like it. And then, of course, our special guest, Blake Murphy. Blake, yes or no, real quick, are you feeling confident going into the game Monday night? Oh, yeah, no, totally. I mean, the Cardinals were in a spot where they're playing at home. I think that that's where every fan's pretty nervous, but they get to go on the road again this year. So right now you got to say that leans pretty heavily in their favor. You got to say eight and one, getting some guys back. Well, I end up seeing at least because playoffs, it's a totally different animal for the most part. You're back to zero, zero. It's a whole new season now. Facts. And you know what? We have another special guest tonight. Welcome back to the podcast, the co-owner and VP of ASAP Sports Network, our man Jay Ness. Are you feeling 
comfortable in the Arizona Cardinals matchup on Monday night. How are how are you feeling? We haven't talked that much about it. Man, I'm feeling great. I'm feeling uh this is probably the best feeling I had going into a game in probably five weeks of the season. Um I mean we'll get Boom, into shakalaka! Why, um more going into it, but I, I, I feel great about this. Uh, uh I can't wait. I can't wait. And it's a Monday night playoff game. I mean, God, what, how how else to welcome us back to the playoffs with a Monday night playoff game? You know, and I think that helps us because we have a lot of guys that need to get healthy. We can deal with the week mm-hmm. after in the playoffs, after the second round, after we win. So, so let's worry about that there. Uh, Blake, again, thank you so much for coming on. I uh, really appreciate you. Everybody go check him out, Revenge of the Birds, uh, on Twitter as well, too. Where, where are you on Twitter, Blake? Yeah, it's at BlakeMurphy7. I always joke that one through six must have been taken, but it's a number I love, at least for the most part, too. So <laughs> There Fire you Murphy. go. Matt, Matt Liner. Yeah, B. Murphy7. Yeah, us B. Murphys, born in Arizona. You got to stick together. You know, that's how it goes. Yeah. Absolutely. So talk to me about how you're feeling about this season in general. I'm curious to think or curious to know if you think this was a failed season for the Arizona Cardinals or if you win or lose, feel like we still accomplished something and we got to the playoffs and and they were going to be ready to roll next year. How are you feeling overall, Blake? Yeah, I think you're going to look back no matter what happens. Let's say the season ended today. We don't have any knowledge. No one knows it's going to happen. You probably feel like this was a turning point in a lot of ways for the Cardinals as far as Kyler stepping up and being able to develop as a passer. That's one of the biggest things I think we'll remember. I think there'll be more confidence that people are able to see as far as being able to surround him with some talent, give him a taste of winning. I think what's been kind of left the, you know, sore taste in some Cardinals fans' mouth has just been the fact that the Cardinals, when it seemed like they needed to win a game, it took up until the Cowboys game. Once they got to that Cowboys game, at least, it was like, all right, Kyler's on his home turf. They went out. They still won by three points. You felt like they could have had a little bit more. But a lot of the story of the season, I think, looking back, we're going to recognize and say, hey, Cardinals were 7-0. and And then that J.J. Watt news before that crazy Thursday night football game against the Packers broke. Ever since then, it feels like it's just been blow after blow. Get down to the point, at least, where now the Cardinals people have said they've backed in a bit to the playoffs. But I think in a lot of ways, it kind of feels like that this is maybe not as much backed in so much as they just missed the opportunity to go out and get a home game, a division win. Uh, in some cases, you know, if they win and are on the road, maybe you say, eh, maybe things turned out for the best. But it's that missed opportunity that I feel like you say is you feel good about the season, but there's just a little bit lacking. I think if they went against the Seahawks last week, a lot more fans are positive. We always feel how it goes week to week. You know, you, you feel better about your team after a win than you do after a loss. May not be necessarily the best way to go. I mean, what's the saying in the NFL? Every time you lose a game, you feel like you're never going to win again. And whenever you win a game, you feel like you're never going to lose again. So that's just the NFL in a nutshell. Amit, you're the one out of, out of all of us, seems like, that's really down on them. Uh, elaborate a little bit more on that. And uh, if you have any questions for Blake Murphy, uh, fire them off. Oh. This all originated how I feel. Cause I, it's funny. Cause so my six year old, we were watching the game on Sunday and he's like, no, the Cardinals are going to win. They're down what? 10 or 11. He's like, no, they're going to win. I'm like, there's not enough time. They're not going to get the ball back. There's no way they're going to win the game. He's like, no, no, but I know they're going to win. They're going to win. Right. And I'm like, they're not going to win this game. And so obviously they lose the game. Um, and then he asked me later, he's like, but, and I was, cause and he's like, why don't you think they're going to win? And I said, I don't have faith in this team. 
And he's like, we have faith in the Suns, right? I'm like, well, that's that's different. That That's a proven commodity. This team, I don't have that same sort of faith. So I was thinking about, I'm like, what is it? And I'm like, am I putting my Arizona sports trauma onto my six-year-old kid already? Like, is that what I'm doing? Um, but I am because he has to know the reality. And this is going to be a teaching lesson for him in life is that even though you think your team is good and they've won and they won seven and oh, doesn't mean that they're going to finish the season the same way. Um, I, you know, the injuries have compounded to this point. I mean, especially if you look at, I, I started watching the Rams highlights from week four and I, and I started watching, I'm like, I can't watch this because D hop is playing. If D hops on the game, it changes the whole offense. Um, and so then I started watching a little bit of the Rams replays and some of their games. And I'm just watching how are we going to guard Cooper cup? Um, that play action that they run with, uh, with Stafford, that's his bread and butter that, I mean, that's how he gets all his completions is through play action. Um, you know, hopefully JJ Watt can come back and make a presence and we can get some pressure or at least stop the run inside. But I'm just, I don't know. I'm, I'm just I'm just doubting that we can that we can do it. But then again, I mean, we have Kyler Murray and I've been saying the whole season that, you know, just just don't doubt that dude. Um, but in the last few weeks, he's just not looked that great. Right. Is it the injury? Is it the schematics? Um, you know, I, I just keep having these images in my head of these, these offensive linemen that are so big that he just can't throw the ball over or can't run around. And I don't know. You know, I don't know. I just I just have a bad feeling. I mean, that's all warranted. Uh, one thing before we get to uh, JNS and JJ, one thing that your your past co-host Johnny Venerables said today on PHNX, which you guys everybody should go check out, support them as well too. Um, him and Cheerston were talking about how you know we we want to see a Kyler Murray game. We want to see him go off. And then today, did everybody here see what Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury said about K one today, saying he's going to play his best game coming up? Uh, Blake, where do you stand on Kyler Murray? Is he getting better every single year? What that are you a little bit disappointed in what he did? Do you think he could be doing more? And do you expect him to have the game of his career so far? Ooh, that's a good question. I think a lot of the improvement that I've seen from Kyler this season has been kind of in some of the little things. Like the biggest thing that stands out to you the most, I think, is you look at their passing offense before. DeAndre Hopkins goes down and then after Hopkins. Yeah. The before Hopkins, just even with the eye test, you're able to see like a lot more of those deep balls to AJ Green are getting completed. He's kind of maybe lost a bit of a step for that. You see a lot of those third and longs that sometimes, you know, Kyler would sometimes he ran for it. Other times he would just be able to get a third down conversion to Hopper, even on fourth down if they had to go for it. You just have seen a bit of a difference. I think some of it is all just connected. Like A.J. Green's no longer taking on cornerback number two. He's having to take on the number one and be the top passing option. Teams are trying to key into a run game that's not head chase Edmonds. And James Conner came back against the Seahawks, was delivering, and then took that rib shot. So I think that he's got a shot to play. We'll see how the injury report on Thursday comes out. But it's not anything like a knee or an ankle or something. It's just going to be maybe seeing how the insides go, how the pain tolerance is. I think a lot of it, at least, was just teams that started circling the Cardinals on their calendar as a big portion. Now, the one area I will say that's been interesting to me is a lot of the Cardinals, and I've joked about this, but they're almost kind of like a vibes team is what I think I've heard. Like, they just run on vibes, Ooh. where it's like when Kyler throws an interception, 
you feel like, ah, that's it. And then the team just kind of seems to sink. There's times yeah. they overcome it or like get a big play. And it seems like they're right back in it. Best example you can think of is they come out of the half of the Seahawks, drive down, they're able to score. They go and get that touchdown play. And then they get the, uh, I think the pick six that you had for the most part, almost pick six, I should say, by Jalen Thompson. Feels like the team's cruising. They're doing great. And then Andy Lee suddenly just, you know, ends up feeling the guy's about to get him, drops the ball. All of a sudden, it felt like they just took the wind out of the team. It really feels like the Cardinals, in a lot of different ways, are having to overcome adversity. And a lot of it's just being placed on Kyler's shoulders to say, all right, Kyler, you got to go out there and overcome the adversity. It's a lot to put on a 24-year-old, but that's kind of what life is being like in the NFL. I think one of the biggest things I've seen with Arizona has been because a lot of their talent, you take Watt off the field, take Hopkins off the field, even lose your starting cornerback or two. Suddenly that margin for error, instead of you being able to blow teams out with your talent, you're kind of the same talent level as them. You make more of a mistake than them, and suddenly it slides back the other way. I think one question for the Cardinals will be, will the talent level of them versus the Rams and getting some of those guys back push that back the other way? And that's something we'll have to see. I, I don't know, man. You you get Eric Weddle on that team. That talent gap, <laughs> gap just grows over there in Los Angeles. Uh, man, Jay Ness. Just, ooh, ooh, that's, that was just a crazy <laughs> sign. Yeah, man, is 37 years old. I almost feel like they should have him Has and Larry it, Fitzgerald line up just to see, like, you know, whose knees ooh. are going to work better almost. Does he get a snap? You think he gets a snap on Sunday? Or I, don't know if he's, I don't know if he's going to back up, but I do know that Rams fans are basically saying, well, if the team is essentially up to how these safeties are going to play, we're pretty much screwed. They're not feeling that confident about their safeties. A lot of it is having to go on the likes huh. of Matthew Stafford now. They're also coming off of a loss to Jimmy Garoppolo and the Niners, and it this is a blown, uh, you know, it's a blown win. Like they had not just a lead like the Cardinals did against the Seahawks; they were owning that team, and then suddenly just whoop, gave the entire thing away. Almost had a chance to lose the division. Niners now get into the playoffs. There's a lot of Rams fans that are not hmm. feeling that great about Matthew Stafford heading into this game, and that's where I think a lot of people are seeing these four and five seeds are like. One of these teams should probably be a three seed at least. Instead, they both kind of, you know, drop a couple of games, fall their way down, and now you got them playing each other, and loser gets to uh, go home. Winner gets to essentially say, see, we were the real NFC West best. <laughs> That's true. Absolutely. Yeah. Jay, Jay Ness, I got – oh, you're muted, bro. My fault, but yeah, see, that's where we get into why I'm so excited about Monday's game, Blake. See, when when you start talking about Matthew Stafford, first of all, before we even get into anything else, this is something that Matthew Stafford has never done good with. This is something that Matthew Stafford hasn't had many opportunities at cracking the, cracking the Da Vinci Code on. So when we look at this, this is a setup where now – the pivot has switched from the pressure being on us, where if we would have played Dallas, even though I like the matchup better, the pressure would have been on us going into that game. The pressure, the spotlight would have been on Arizona. What are you going to do? You already beat them. You went 8-0. You did all this stuff all year. It, the pressure is on you. But walking into L.A., L.A. is at home. They made a huge trade in the offseason to bring Matthew Stafford in. For what? Not the regular season. Not the regular season. This is this is what um, I think of the last six years. This is the fourth uh, NFC West title um, and third playoff run for Sean McVay. So that, that trade was not for a, a regular season 
um, um, you know, performance. This was specifically for what we're about to deal with on Monday. So this again, the spotlight, the pressure, all of that is put back on the shoulders of the Rams going into this game. Now, Let's look at a couple other things. Mm. Chris, uh, Christian Kirk uh, has led the team. He had his career-high 77 catches. He had a career-high 982 yards rece- uh, receiving as well. Um, so that's another bright spot. So while we've focused most of our attention on D-Hop going down, on A.J. Green, you know, can he sustain, can he move up and step up, secretly, quietly, Christian Kirk has really propelled himself into this offense, and he set some marks that we're going to look to build on to next year as well. Then you got Chase Edmonds, as we all know, he had, you know, um, a, um, a bad shake. You know, he had, he missed a few games there, but again, again, he had career high 903 yards from scrimmage. So now we get Chase Edmonds back in the game with the tool where there's not a lot of video or, you know, Film for them to review. You just gotta you gotta go back to the beginning of the year to, as the Rams to really review and kind of look at what we were doing with that James Conner Chase Edmonds step uh setup. Again, since Chase Edmonds went down, James Conner has turned into a beast. And and now we're feeding him in a whole different manner as well. Because you know, I coach, we talked about this on one of the previous episodes, uh, you know, uh where I was saying that since Chase Edmonds went down, before he went down, James Conner was used as more of a up-the-gut-between-the-guards uh, type of runner. And we, as we kind of brought him in for more of a short yard type of back in the first place. But since Chase Edmonds went down and we had to use him as our primary back and we had to throw him into more of these sets and more of the plays that we run primarily, now he's running each and every way. So that's going to be a problem for the Rams as well. It's true. So there's a lot of things that, and and, and another thing, uh, um, um, what's his name? Um, it just went from me. Uh, Alfred's back. Alfred's back. Murphy's Might back. Be back. We'll, we'll um, see at least how much Alfred will play. I think will be interesting. It's uh, I know there's been some reporting that he may be back this week, maybe back next week. His Twitter account seems to indicate that he's going to be potentially back practicing soon. So that's at least good. That'll be dope. God, I hope. Right. Oh, God. I hope we can get him back <laughs> on the field. And then, and then and, DeMarco. And Marco, Marco, so, Marco Wilson rocked OBJ in Cleveland, and he DeMarco. damn near had two or three almost interceptions uh, on that Monday night game as well, too, right. against OBJ. Right. And he's going to be back on that field. So, I mean, there's, there's a few things. And then switching over to Mr. Number One, um, he's a winner. And one thing about his career prior prior to the NFL and obviously, you know, college, uh, but every time he had an opportunity to step up in a big game in his in his high school career, especially, and he did just that. And he made, you know, he he, he stamped his name on on spotlight games. And that's what made Kyler Murray shoot up into, you know, what he is today. And so this is our first time to get to witness it on the biggest spotlight. And I think Kyler Murray is about to come out and flourish. I agree with with Coach Kingsbury 100%. And I applaud Kingsbury for coming out in public and making that, you know, that 
that statement because that's what you're supposed to do for a young player. You're supposed to boost up heading into to a Monday night uh, game like that, that big of a game. So, I mean, I commend them for that. Again, guys, I'm more confident. What was it? Week nine was the last time before before the last uh, game that our offensive line had played together. You know, and another thing that uh, that you mentioned, uh, Coach, is I think it was you or either you or Blake, but Kyler Murray turned in. Uh, we saw him evolve in, in his passing game this year. You know, one hundred percent who that. Rodney Hudson, mm-hmm. because he is what is is making him able to reset his feet and throw passes after scrambling away from from you know danger. Before he last season, he scrambled out that pocket. You have to run, and and now so, he's keeping his eyes downfield and. He's keeping his eyes downfield and is able to do things. Before I get to another question for Blake here, JJ, I want to hear from you. Do you think Kyler Murray is primed for a breakout game? Is this going to be the game? In in your mind, what are your thoughts? Uh, I think he's due for just a good game for all of us. You know, it's been a rough five weeks of football. And uh, Coach, when the last time we did a pod, we talked about even the Chicago game, uh, like, that's kind of like where it started, you know, like uh, you can compare that uh, that Bears game to the uh, Carolina game uh, just on Newton's perspective. You know, he started two or three times in the red zone. Uh, uh, and uh, hang on. Give me one second. No, 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 uh, no. You're 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 fine. You're fine. Keep, keep going. Oh, you're yeah. OK. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah. So like uh, Kyler started a couple times in the red zone and yeah, we scored and stuff and we just didn't see uh, the issues that uh, he was having early on. And then we got, you know, like just smacked around for the last five weeks against Detroit and, um, and then Seattle and then all, uh, just everybody else and stuff. So I like, I think Kyler is going to flourish this game. I think the world is going to see what he's capable of and what he's doing. And, and as far as we know, Kyler is healthy and I think he's going to be motivated to, do whatever he can to win this game. Like uh, he's been the most decisive this year than compared to last year. Um, I think he's a little better on his feet this year. Um, Him avoiding trouble. I think he's a little better this year too. And of course his arm strength and him just uh, threading the needle for these passes too is a lot better uh, compared to last year. So um, I have high hopes for Kyler and what he's able to do on Monday. Yeah. I'm definitely worried about the wide receiver room. yeah, we've seen uh, great moments from Antoine Wesley, but he's not the route runner or the decoy that you know, no. De- uh, DeAndre Hopkins brought for the whole season. Then uh, then Christian Kirk, you know, he's um, – I don't want to call him lackluster, but he does disappear in a lot of games, and we just don't see him. And I don't know if it's him not getting open or Kyler not seeing him and running the wrong route. I, I don't know. It's just like it seems like we see him for maybe one to two quarters, and then he's just gone. But I think the, the the main factor of this game is going to be uh, uh, Zach Ertz. And, like, Zach Ertz has been great ever since he came. Uh, when he gets the ball, positive yards every time and, and more. So uh, whoever commented earlier about pounding the ground, that's exactly what we need to do. Um, the Arizona Cardinals are 9-0 when we uh, uh, carry for uh, 30 yards a game. 
uh, with positive yards. So uh, I'm pretty sure Edmonds will be back. We're going to have Connor back. Uh, we just need to really util uh, utilize the run, and especially with Ronnie Hudson in the middle, and then our full offensive line uh, that was planned to be going forward in the playoffs. Like this is going to be very important, and I just hope Humphreys and Max Garcia can really hold uh, their end because that's been the biggest issue the last four or five weeks. Josh and Jones is the is the I weak mean, link. He's the weakest link. Josh, yeah, I'm, Josh. Yeah, I, I but, hope he doesn't play. Yeah, like I don't. I mean, really he would be—he would. There would have to be an injury for him to play, obviously. So I, I hope that he doesn't doesn't have to play. Um, uh, Blake, do you think Chase and James Connor are both going to be able to play this coming week? Obviously, we don't have an injury report yet, with it being on on Monday, the game on Monday. It's a little bit different of a schedule. Do you think those two are going to be able to play? And if so, do you think they're both going to be able to have the impact that we would expect them to have? Yeah, I think both, at least if you look at the injuries they got, were kind of the side, some of the rib. Uh, really just kind of depends. The biggest thing, at least overall, is if they are going to be on the injury report as far as not practicing or getting any practice, you know, it's the playoffs. You want to make sure you're getting the timing, some of those things right. You will get an extra day, so we might not know anything theoretically until like maybe Saturday as far as for some of that. Uh, we also are going to have only what the media will see. Uh, you know, they may just say, all right, we're just going to have you guys not be out there as much, maybe work off to the side, and then we can actually run, you know, some of the installs for that week. I think a lot of it is that really with the Cardinals, one of the advantages that they have coming in is you look at with the Rams, what did the Rams getting back in a lot of this? Well, they've already really gotten back a lot of what their team is going to be. They got back Tyler Higby as far as from the COVID list. Uh, they've had, you know, not as much as far as the offensive line issues. They've got Cam Akers that they've said he'll be available potentially for the playoffs. That's one of the spots as far as for how soon that surgery is. I feel like it's kind of similar to the Hopkins area of if he comes back, it'll be maybe a little later down the road. Um, we'll see how that goes. He is a talented running back. It's just sometimes when you have guys coming back who have not played and not practiced in forever. On the Cardinals side, who are the Cardinals probably getting back? Well, they're probably going to be getting back at least, you know, Rondale Moore, we're talking also about Marco Wilson, as I would expect him yes. to go in. And you're also getting back probably your two starting running backs for the most part. You were running the ball all right with Eno Benjamin. You can just kind of tell at least the type of back he is right now. Um, they're not quite having him in the full-time chase role. Um, Jonathan Ward getting hurt was rough because you kind of like that one-two punch. They weren't able to get to that in the last game. And, uh, oh, you got one guy named J.J. Watt who's probably going to be at least making this sort of triumphant return. Like in, when you're talking about the sort of motivation, the sort of thing that brings, I've compared it to being kind of like not a one-to-one -one comparison, but maybe the closest thing to Chris Paul that the Arizona Cardinals have. Talking about this longtime, you know, Houston athlete comes over to the team and just really brings about this entire avenue of winning and playmaking, at least, that they just haven't had before, at least on that interior defensive line. That's what their Cardinals are getting. What are the Rams getting, at least outside of Eric Weddle? Uh, not as much. I think that does favor some of Arizona, at least of being able to have that level of boost. And the Rams are going to have guys that, you know, they're the rust that the Cardinals may have in some places, I think, might be offset by the fact that the Rams are going to have to figure out their film study in some other places. And the Cardinals at least can take a look at the last time they played the Rams, find some adjustments, things that will be able to work and see if they can be able to pick off a Matthew Stafford pass or two or find a way to get the turnover, get up on the Rams. That seems to be their MO for winning games. We'll have to find out because in the playoffs, everyone's going to be firing pretty much every bullet from the gun that they have. I hey, think the and other 
real quick. The other advantage, real, real, real quick. Yeah, go ahead. A, a, any news on Jordan Phillips? Not as much. Every week it seems like they're saying he might start mm. going in or practicing. If he does yeah. come back, at least we'll see. It's been kind of like that the whole season. We were like, oh, he's on IR. He's not coming back. And then all of a sudden he just gets activated from IR and returns right after Watt goes down. You're like, oh, that's a nice surprise. With big guys who are like his size at 330, who's had multiple lower body and knee injuries, that may be one of the areas of just you're just never sure. Some guys at okay. least it's like – you end up having where you're having to, you know, have that explosion, have all of that, and be able to carry the size. It's something that's been very tough, I think, at least for a lot of guys in the past, at least who have to kind of put on a lot of that extra weight just for the position that they play. It'll be interesting to see, at least, if they do get him back in addition to Watt, then that, you know, you're talking about your starting defensive line together for, you know, the first time, I think, the the entire season i think yeah, that first time Phillip, all season first time all season they did not have phillips yeah. for the start they had watt in there yeah. they yeah. wanted Richard to have lawrence watt. was out lucky photo yep. in and out zach you allen wanted to just see that marcus golden that jordan phillips and that chandler jones jj watt all four of those guys rushing the passer and then once in a while oh yeah we'll just throw buddha baker in there we never got to see that this season for the cardinals hmm. which is unfortunate because phillips when he was signed he was coming off of a I think it was a nine and a half sack season, ten if sack. I remember correctly. Double yeah, digits. Sack. Double digit Double sack, digit, yeah. Bro. yeah. It was a bit of an outlier. He just not then as healthy. He was effective when he played, I think, this year. It's just you never got to really see the whole picture. And some of the injuries that have derailed the Cardinals, at least so far, if they get a chance to overcome some of those and have guys come back, that I think will be a big lift to the team for sure. Okay. I, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off, Amin. Um, I no really worries. wanted to find out about the, the other injuries there. What were you going to say, my man? I was going to say the other advantage that the Cardinals have in this game is that there is tremendous pressure on Matthew Stafford, yes, uh, yeah. John McVay, and their GM. Because this team lost in the first round last year with Goff. They've traded away all their first-round picks. They have no first-round picks left for multiple years. So they've gone all in. <clears throat> they went in on Von Miller. They went in on Eric Weddle, I guess. They keep going in on these big names and players that may be a little bit washed. Um, and if they don't win, I, I don't know what's going to happen to this team because they, they, they I mean, they, they, it's Super Bowl championship or bust for this team at this point. And the amount of pressure that Matthew Stafford's under, not have, having ever won a playoff game, not having ever seen a bye week, he's got a home game, yes, but he's going into a, 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 a fist fight. A home Wait, game the Cardinals gave to them. They didn't earn it. They didn't win that game either. <laughs> That's true. They didn't win it. The Cardinals right. gave multiple chances uh, at winning that. So, you know, I, I just – I think there's a lot – I think that's an advantage that we have because we're coming in and we got Kyler his first time in the playoffs. He's going to want to show out. Um, but – and Cliff too. I think Cliff is – you know, he he's – the seat is getting warm. It may not be hot yet, uh, but it's getting – definitely getting warm. It's warming up pretty quickly. So – you know, we're going to have to see what, what, what he can produce as well. So there's pressure yeah. on both sides. But there's definitely more pressure on the Rams. If, if I was, if I was Matthew Stafford, honestly, I mean, seeing that is the first time that our defensive line has been back together. And then you look at our stat sheet and Marcus golden led our team in sacks with 11 and then Chandler Jones, the last two, three weeks, has been kind of turning it back up like that five-sat game in the beginning of the year. Then you get J.J. back. And the one thing that I've noticed that is a big thing to me when I look at it is that J.J. Watt being on that other side, it really shuts down the running game. 
because he's such a run stop, a, a, a run stuffer, and Chandler Jones plays the run really well. So getting both of them back on the side, on the on the um, outside, having Marcus Golden uh, down there, and and I've I told you, Coach, one of one of our uh, in the beginning of the year, one of our first pods, um, Marcus Golden was my sniper on the team because he's so he fits in so well with the Cardinals defense. There's something about like just when he connects up with us. So if I was Matthew Stafford, I'd be worried. I'd be shaking in my boots because uh, I, I, I see like Chandler Jones having a two sack game or a three sack game and a forced fumble. That's what I see coming. But playoff Chandler is something that we haven't got a chance to be able to see. I think the biggest thing we can talk some more about it is the run game as far as how it goes, because I think that's where the game is going to come down to is the run game and mitigating turnovers. But just kind of a curiosity, I asked a a buddy of mine who does stuff as far as like covers the, a lot of the NFL, goes over fantasy. He's had a huge interest in the NFC West over time. Said, hey, what's something that's a positive that you can look for for Cardinals fans because a lot of Cardinals fans are like going to this game with a sense of doom of like, ah, oh, it's McVay again. We keep losing to the Rams. What's we can't even get this one game we need to win the division? What's a positive? He's like, all right, here's your positive if you want to look for it. This may be the story. What is the Rams' record this season against playoff teams? I was like, okay, I don't know. He's like, they're two and five. They've gotten two wins, one against the Buccaneers and once against the Cardinals. They've lost to the Niners. Two. They've also lost to the Cardinals, the two and five. What is Arizona's record against teams that are in the playoffs? They're five and one. Now, one of those games, of course, was a loss to the Rams for the most part. Maybe you could argue that the Colts should have been what, a playoff team. What, what about in the Packers game too? So five and two? A five and two, yeah, five and two, because the Rams were the other teams. So yeah, five. And, I'm sorry, I wrote it down. Two and five, five and two. So yeah, five and two. Maybe it would have been five and three. Would have been right the, if the Colts would have been one of those games that was there. But still, and that shows when you're like you're in a must-win game. You're against a really good team. When the Cardinals would gear together, like for the Cowboys game, for example, they're coming off a fifty-point blowout victory. They came in, put together one of their best games of the season. They weren't able to put them away in the second half but they were able to essentially close out the game for the most part. I think that was one of the things that he said was, sure, this is early season Cardinals, but if you do get J.J. Watt back, that's a lot closer to the early season Cardinals, and they really did mm -hmm. show a lot of tenacity. The Rams' slide has been probably less seen than Arizona's, I think, because Arizona just kept right. losing, you know, three games in a row, you lose the Christmas Day game. The Rams, at least, have seen Matthew Stafford now lead the league in interceptions, had the two turnovers against the Niners <laughs> that got them in. Really, yeah, the Rams slide, and this is kind of a weird thing, is Sean McVay and Cliff Kingsbury both have a history of starting off fast and then kind of having things go down the stretch. Maybe teams have figured out, or maybe I think in the Rams' case, it seems that they've, you know, they lost Robert Woods, but haven't adjusted as much probably in some other places where cliff you can see them sometimes trying to adjust too much just because they're trying to figure out all right we got no rondale more let's get craig Dorch they overthink it and yeah and sometimes i think you overthink it or maybe some of the factor is just you try to be aggressive teams know you're going to try to be aggressive and they're able to you know get pressure with four on a spot where the cardinals probably should be trying to run the ball more they're trying to put away with that last dagger that was one of the things I think you noticed. And then once you get Arizona on their heels, Kyler, if he wants to try to make a play, it's one of the best things about Kyler is he may just be able to sprint off and pick up 30 yards on a scramble, or he may try to get away on a scramble and someone brings him down from behind. There's a lot that goes into the different places. And 
you know, sometimes I think the biggest thing that it comes down to for Arizona is if we get this Cardinals team that's fully dialed in and fully committed like we did against Dallas, you know, against the Seahawks game, I was looking at the scoreboard saying, all right, 17-3, if the Niners don't score soon, like, start pulling the guys, Cliff. I wonder if that same thought <laughs> process was in the place. That, I mean, I'd be thinking that, too, just like, I'm going to scoreboard watch, you right. know, if I'm going to be in the next down or something. Like, there's – and then you can see that they still tried to go before. They tried to win the game. They got kind of blindsided on special teams. And then at that point, you know, you're just – you're in the heat of it for the most part. I think that's going to be one of the avenues we'll learn a whole lot about this Cardinals team is what is this Cardinals team when they're kind of stacked up backs against the wall against a really good team? Are they going to be able to pull through and deliver? Because so far they have this season. If they're not able to, that's going to paint a whole different narrative of that late season collapse going into next year where people are going to look at that and say, all right, Cliff, like you've had two years of this. Like what's the deal? Right. Because at the end of the day, all people care about is playoff wins. Like no one remembers that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers – didn't win their division. They didn't win, you know, more than what they nine and seven last year. And no one remembers because they won another ring for Tom Brady, beat the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. And that's really what matters in the NFL is playoff wins. So I'm curious since Cliff seems to keep saying that, what he's got in store as far as for him and Vance Joseph with this must win game. JJ, what do you got? Um, so, uh, I have a, a question, uh, for you, Blake. Uh, so, <laughs> um, so, uh, we all know what, uh, Cliff and Kyler need to do on Monday. It's uh, nothing new. It's what we've been saying all year. Uh, we sound like a broken record at this point, but Blake, if you were Vance Joseph on the defensive side, how would you game plan against, uh, this offense? Because I don't know if you guys saw, but the Rams put out a, a report and, uh, I'm, Matt Staff is a little dinged up too. Uh, he either broke his toe or his toe is all jacked up or whatever. So um, I don't think he's going to be taking the ball underneath the center. Might be doing a lot of shotgun like he did week four um, and not doing uh, 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 RPOs as well. So um, I just want to hear uh, uh, how you would game plan against this uh, Rams offense. Yeah, the first thing that the Cardinals have struggled the most with in the past, and this is some of it is maybe just the players they have. Marcus and Chandler are such good edge rushers that sometimes they can struggle to contain on those bootlegs or contain on some of those plays. So you'll see the bootlegs from under center. You're expecting to be a run. And then they turn around. And then sometimes, you know, they're, you know, they're it's a little different from like your typical um you're kind of playmaking or like your will linebacker who like think of isaiah simmons if he's tasked to say hey you're on the edge hunting down a quarterback like that qb like goes maybe three yards and he did <laughs> like that's how isaiah is explosive <laughs> chandler and marcus aren't those type of guys they're much more of like the technicians that have a different level of explosiveness but it's more of this tenacity based that sometimes is where yeah. they get trapped where they get so upfield that one of the rams running backs will just start to go up the middle fall the lane and then cut back. And you got so upfield kind of looking to play off the run or looking for that or having the quarterback be pulled over, you know, you're playing the run. All of a sudden you end up seeing a nice little simple third and three, five yard completion to Tyler Higby and the Rams can just kind of keep churning the yards down the field. So the first thing I'd look at at least is I think the two players that you need to do on defense is you need to make sure that when Stafford is on those types of plays, you know, you make sure that you're covering him. Don't get fooled by some of those plays. Just play smart and disciplined. And make sure that you at least are able to punish him. Like you said, if he's not able to move as well, there's a lot of plays in the Cardinals game, uh, not week four, but the the second game, where he's making like these bullet-like, you know, 
precision point types of throws for the most part while he was taking a big hit or is just about to. You want to yeah. make sure that you keep that up and make it where, you know, that was probably the best game he played all year. Make him have to play a better game to beat you because as we've seen over the past few weeks, he's not had a game like that since. Uh, the last thing I think at least is, you know, we can talk about the run defense in a lot of ways, but I think the Rams run defense is suspect enough that if the Cardinals can get enough advantage in the run game and then at least do enough to take care of business, like don't let up one of those big runs like they did to Rashad Penny. In the first game, they essentially took Cooper Cup, and the idea was, hey, if he catches the ball, we're just going to hit him yeah. hard. Like they read through the film. Yeah. They saw – they knew he was going to run a little slant and out pattern, so when he was going to catch the ball, they were just ready to kind of pop the ball free. Uh, there were times where he was running up, maybe even slowed up on one of his routes that Stafford overthrew him. It might have been he wanted to go upfield. He was maybe feeling like he could take that hit. I think that would be the second thing I would do because at that point, if you've got Matthew Stafford feeling flustered, you got Cooper Cup feeling like he's about to just get the daylight knocked out of him. Suddenly that's going to lead to some hesitation for both of them. If Cup's not quite there, Stafford a little bit off pace for each of those places. Uh, Odell Beckham Jr. has had some nice plays, but he's kind of been the same guy he was with the Browns. He doesn't look like he's been a star. He's really had kind of an average thing that's been made up for with some good touchdowns in the red zone. So I think all of those He's kind of fizzled out. Yeah, it's it's a little bit. It's it's kind of just stayed flat. Like, you got touchdowns, but then you look at everything else, and you're like, okay, like, so outside of the red zone, like, maybe there's a big player too, but it's kind of the same thing with a Christian Kirk for the most part. Like, there's some big plays you'll see, and then some other average plays that are there. I think that's some of the avenues you look to. And part of the reason I think you look at that versus just trying to sell out and stop the run is like you said, this is kind of Matthew Stafford's moment. Like the Rams did all of this for him. They're going to be putting the game plan on him in a huge way. And the hope at least that I'd have is it's because their defense is having issues getting gashed up at least that the Cardinals are seeing what the Niners did to try to replicate some of that game plan and force Matthew Stafford into places of having to make a mistake or two, because he has made a mistake or two in the last few games. And if uh, what you're saying is correct, JJ, if there is anything wrong with him, a toe, ankle, heel, whatever it may be, I mean, already you knock Matthew Stafford off of a spot or a little bit, you know, if good things are going to happen for you. If he is ailing any type of way and you're able to knock him off a spot even a little bit more, that that makes me more and more comfortable. Uh, Jay Ness, you had a question as well, too. What do you got? And Blake, Blake, by the way, that was, those were great answers, and I just feel yeah, like I learned yeah. so much from that. So thank you so much. Oh, yeah, it's good to be on. <laughs> yeah, no, no, that no. was fun. Yeah, uh, definitely. And I, and I kind of want to um kind of go in, Blake, and ask you more specifically about Jalen Thompson's growth this year. Um, I mean, 112 tackles. Uh, he he had uh, three interceptions. Um, and then seven pass deflections. And I, I just think that what he's done this year single-handedly himself, what he's brought to this defense, and, be you know, a lot of people, you know, uh, that are just, you know, catching on to the Cardinals the last couple of years, they may have not have known, but he's a fifth-round supplemental draft pick. You know, and, and those type of, you know, draft picks don't, progress this way and, and end up like this very often. So I do want to kind of ask you about where do you think he's at right now? Did you kind of predict him to be take this much of a leap? And where does this uh, put our defense in um, as a place because we have this type of player in Jalen Thompson that stepped up this way? 
Yeah, I think you're in a spot where Jalen's an interesting case because he was kind of at least that one type of safety that was really similar to Buda Baker coming out. Like Buda was a guy who at the free safety spot moved all over, did a lot of things, and was kind of that mini honey badger. Jalen's been almost in a lot of different places, like been that more typical strong safety you'd have as far as like he's making tackles in the box while also being able to be in Mm -hmm. coverage on a tight end. That's kind of allowed the Cardinals by having like those two Buda Bakers. It's really allowed them in some cases to get Isaiah Simmons more comfortable in that inside linebacker role. Last year, the Cardinals by not having him, you know, you had some games, I think it was, who was the name? Curtis Riley or something. He was starting at safety against the Panthers. The Cardinals fans are like, oh man, this guy's starting Mm -hmm. a safety over Isaiah Simmons. They're like, no, no, it's all right. You know, we'll we'll give Simmons some time. Then after that Panthers game was done, they like cut Curtis Riley like that Monday. (laughs) And you could just kind of (laughs) tell at least that Thompson being out was a huge problem. Yeah, there was just, there was just no awareness. Thompson is one of those guys who, when you watch him play, they call him an eraser. And there's two or three times, at least I've heard just in the past few games where they're like, oh man. That guy running back was seeing daylight if Jalen Thompson doesn't make that tackle. And you're like, yeah, that's why Jalen Thompson is there. Yeah, that's Thompson. You get 11 <laughs> right. on 11 football, and he's the guy who like is your last line of defense, and he's a sure tackle. There's probably He's like that areas- last Lego. He's oh, like yeah. that last Lego that we needed to complete it because we were out there, and, and I think that Vance and, and Kime were, were so pushing for that speed on defense that having Jalen out there and him being such a heavy hitter as well, kind of like like you said, having those two torpedoes, so to speak, on at the safety position, and then having Jalen. Now, do you, do you think that um, Zavin Collins uh, not playing as much – uh, towards the latter half of the season, do you think that kind of hampered our growth in the defense any? Yeah, I think that the biggest thing, at least with that, is the way they've been playing defense now with Vance. And this kind of goes back to last year when they didn't have Chandler Jones. You know, they were lucky and got Hassan Reddick. Um, they were able to generate more of a pass rush, at least yeah. overall. They've kind of been in a similar mold this year because you can kind of tell at least that, you know, you got Chan, you have Marcus. It's a better pass rush, but you don't really have that one-on-one guy that's like going like, you know, Reddick had five sacks, I think, in a single game. Chan, of course, is able to, uh, I think, duplicate that and tie that record. But really what I've seen this year is they've been using a lot more blitz packages and a lot more of having to try to find ways to fill run gaps and trying to get guys to like, hey, we got this player, this position. You watch one of the plays where I think it's um, Devon Kennard is essentially watching. He's like, all right, they're just pulling a little run play. Russell Wilson might boot this over here. They also might run the running back at me. Jordan Hicks runs toward the pile. You're like, okay, I don't know if Hicks just guessed and took the wrong angle or was that like his assignment and Kennard has to pick this up and then they're not really covering Russell Wilson. Something doesn't make sense about one of those areas there. Right. Just feels like that the linebackers, since their eyes have been off, it's something that they've gotten away with in a lot of games, like especially Dallas, where like they're off, they're distracted, but they're still able to hold Zeke down because of the play that those safeties have been getting. I think that's one of the cases, at yeah. least for this year, that you're seeing with Arizona is when you've got a presence like J.J. Watt up front where suddenly you can say, hey, we can rush four guys. That means we can push seven people into coverage. Suddenly now Jalen Thompson and Buda Baker, they're not having to just be glued to a tight end or having to blitz or play in a multiple roles. They can drop back like Jalen did, pick off Russell Wilson on one of those plays where you get pressure, he throws up a prayer, and you're just like, thank you very much. Come to daddy, pick it off. And That was part of why Arizona (laughs) – 
was getting all of these turnovers earlier in the season and part of why they were blowing right. teams out on the right. road. You can't do that when you're having to rush five or six and try to manufacture pressure that way. Vance, I think, is still good enough that he can get pressure. It's not like the Cardinals are you know, seeing guys pick them apart for like 400 yards by just standing and having all day in the pocket. He's still manufacturing pressure. It's just kind of come at a bit of a cost without having an, a complete defense that they're able to field due to not just these injuries this season, but COVID and having guys miss time as well. Plus right. uh, Isaiah and Simmons. And then I think that uh, like uh, Isaiah Simmons was playing like his best football when J.J. Watt was on the field and they were sending those four right. and he was able to just play his role. The last month, month and a half, he's been having to cover a lot of deficiencies uh, uh, just uh, midway down the field and him covering Byron Murphy's guy a lot of the times. Uh, him they put him on a cornerback in the Seahawks game. That tells you how rough it's gotten was because yes. like, we're at cornerback six. Breon Borders has gotten toasted by Tyler Lockett <laughs> twice. We're trying to play zone coverage to give ourselves a chance. We can't play man. We got to play more zone so that we can at least give our guys a chance because we know we can't trust you in coverage. We're trying to give you help, and he still gets toasted. You're like, all right, Isaiah, come on, let's let's get back in there. That's part of where the blown touchdown happens with some of that communication. Right. It's trying to make but injuries. It, it, it's hard. hard. It's hard to be a. It, it's hard to be a fan and and know how deep into our depth chart we're at and when you see isaiah lining up at corner you're like goodness gracious we need to get healthy where is the health pill at <laughs> exactly and and you know another thing you know i i do want to kind of bring up and kind of run by you as well is you know you kind of made a notion to it is that you know having that ability to rush four and push seven in the back and those torpedoes back there roaming, it really changes the way the wide receivers attack the middle of our field. Because Absolutely. I'll tell you right now, when you leave your feet and you got Buddha or you got Jalen headed your way, it's going to hurt. It's going to feel like a brick wall. And, and that's one thing that I did notice and I have noticed over the last few weeks, especially last week with us lacking that cornerback depth. Um, uh, well, not last week, more the sort of the week before, but lacking that cornerback depth, they've been able to go over the middle and get those passes to break away. That was that OBJ. So those type of things, you know, I, I think that going into Monday again, guys, this is why I have the confidence that I have going into Monday, because when they look, when the Rams go back to really review film on us, they don't really have a whole healthy team to watch. Well, Janus, versus their I, game. I, this is part of your question. So, because uh, I, I had a I had a thought about this as well. I want to ask you, Blake, what do you think is better when the Cardinals are zone blitzing or when they're playing zone man? Because I feel good. like they play better zone man. I agree with I like that. They play man. zone man. And some of that's the talent that they've been able to bring. The other half of it is when you're able to play the man coverage that Vance Joseph has designed in a lot of different ways. Like you're able to see that the Cardinals have a lot of talent with guys who are able to blitz with the different pass rushers. Um, we saw a lot of times where they've lined up guys in the line of scrimmage for the most part where it's cover zero man across the board. You know that someone's coming after the quarterback on third and long. It's just the Cardinals with their run defenses sometimes struggle to get into those type of situations that can cause turnovers. They they get one of those, and you even can see, at least for the most part, they were playing a sort of man defense when they did pick off Russell Wilson in that game, playing man the same time when Chandler Jones got his sack, you know, second play of the game. He ends up being able to get a great move to swim by someone, and Russ just had no amount of time or be able to hit it because you got guys that are helping getting 
pushing guys in the line of scrimmage. I think that's what's been toughest about a lot of it is when you get down the depth chart for some of the other places for that one, you're not able to play man the same way. And, you know, sometimes Marco Wilson may get beaten man coverage in one play and the next play, you know, he's running step for step with a guy down the field and just pass is not going to be anywhere near it. I, I think that's been some of the area with the Cardinal struggles that has been tougher to watch in games, but it's also kind of, you can see a reason why, like you can watch even a chart of the Cardinals, like here's them winning at the top of the NFL. Then you see when the JJ Watt injury happens, they still have the number one seed. And then you see the Hopkins and the Alfred injuries. And all of a sudden it just goes, because those are like valuable veterans who are not able just to make plays at least going back and forth, but are just, Guys that, you know, you can rely on to be able to execute the plays. It's harder to rely on, you know, when Kevin Peterson goes out and you're like, oh, that may be it for our team. That may be the game. You're like, he's our number four corner. That's that's kind of how bad some of the injuries have gotten. Well, I think that's my biggest concern about, about the zone blitz in this situation or zone man, because your best blitzers at this point coming off the edge are Isaiah Simmons, Byron Murphy, and probably Buda Baker. Yeah, cover right? guys at least for the most part. That's exactly. part of so why Alfred was such a huge putting, loss in a lot of ways. You're putting everybody yeah. on an island, and yeah. even in yeah. zone, and it's just not a good situation. That's how Cooper Cup is going to get open on a crossing pattern or, you know, on a post mm-hmm. pattern. Like, it's just – it's. That's where I'm. That's that's where I'm concerned. Yeah, and that's where you tell me how healthy JJ yeah. Watt actually is going to be. How much maybe the rest of the team is lifted as far as for some of their spirits, where they're able to get pressure with four and five guys. That'll yeah. tell me a lot about the team because if they're having to do like you said, those type of you know zone blitzes or other places, usually they can when they line everyone up on the line. Sometimes you can confuse a quarterback. It's easier with young quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. It's harder with older ones for the most part, like a Matthew Stafford, like you've even pointed out. Cooper Cup may essentially just run around like Tyler Lockett did in the Cardinals game the last week where, hey, I'm just going to go ahead and run this sneaky route over here because no one else is on me in coverage except for, oh, there's Chandler Jones back over there. Not the best timed as far as for one of those blitzes, but when you're running a zone blitz, like you said, that's what's going to kind of happen with Mm -hmm. a guy who can beat zone. It's why the Cardinals have to be able to play a more aggressive man. It's why Marco Wilson's addition is probably one of the more important ones this game. Yeah, I think I so, think with getting our line back, it'll help out with that as well. Um, but real quick before we go anywhere, um, coach, I do have one last question. Oh, um, on the Chandler Jones portion, we we know that he's coming up for free agency. Um, do we sign him back? If we sign him back, how deep in the bag do we go, Blake? That's a good question. I think the hardest thing about all of that is how do the Cardinals address as far as whether it's freeing up cap space or putting things together because mm-hmm. when you get to these pass rushers like the, a good example that someone gave I thought was interesting was you look at Justin Houston of the last few years for the Colts kept signing one-year deals and his production yeah. didn't really drop off like is that one of those things where you can kind of pull like maybe an AJ Green but for a pass rusher get a little bit more of a deal and make that be the case. The Panthers got a steal out of that with Hassan Reddick. They may be trying to franchise tag him if they can figure out a, a long-term deal. And maybe the Cardinals, maybe they end up looking at a franchise sign-in trade if they can try to. I'm sure they'd be able to find a partner at worst if that's the case. But one of the things that's toughest with Arizona is how are you going to be able to replace Chandler Jones? How does the season end? Are you trying to go for it next year? Because at this point, you can tell he's not maybe a 17 to 19 sack type of guy. He's 32 years old, but he's still one of those guys that's probably going to be getting you double-digit sacks coming up with big plays like he just did. And within the playoffs, for the most part, like he's been keeping his body like right. this. Players 
I'll be able to put it all on the line. It's going to be an interesting measure for the most part to see. I think a lot of the stuff, at least, that'll come up is, will the Cardinals try to be able to look at drafting a replacement there in the first round, or are they going to be looking more at one of the line positions, potentially? I mean, like I, I don't think they're drafting an inside linebacker for a year three, even though you could make an argument for it. That would cause <laughs> me to drink. My goodness. <laughs> But the other area, at least, is yeah. man, you're talking about with AJ Hop's health going down. Do the Cardinals look at late first and there's a receiver that pops up? You're like, we could pair Rondale in the slot. You know, I, Kirk is going to be really going to be interesting to see what his market looks like. Maybe you bring back Ertz. You say we got Hopkins, we got Wesley. Do you want to try to draft a replacement long term and say, hey, we got Kyler as long term guy where we don't have to worry about bringing back AJ Green? These are all questions I think that can wait until the offseason. They definitely right, are. Right now, I think what you want to look for is I want to see the Cardinals be able to go out and not have to have, you know, this podcast next week where there's questions about Cliff or Kyler or anything like that. And <laughs> that's going to be one of the avenues. I know last year it was like, ah, oh, they just get into the playoffs for that one. They play the same, you know, they play this uh, the Saints team that Drew Brees is all beat up for the most part. They got a chance. And yeah, they uh, they didn't get that far. And Kyler probably wouldn't have played, <laughs> or at least not played well. Uh, one last point I wanted to make because I had this in my notes was, when it comes to Arizona, I think Cliff Kingsbury mentioned, and you talked about this earlier, when the Cardinals run the ball like 30 times or more, they win. I'm one of the people in the camp who usually thinks that's more they win the game, not necessarily because they're running the ball. I think a lot of times they win the game because they're winning the game. It's like, you know, you can pass, make plays, take the ball away. That's how you win, and then you run to finish it out. In the Cardinals games before, I think it was the – what was it? The Kyler had one game which he had – this is the Bears game? Yeah, 15 attempts in the Bears game. He was getting about 31 attempts per game. The Cardinals were running the ball well with Chase, running it well with Connor when he wasn't there. Even with Colt McCoy, they are probably about 30 attempts. Mm -hmm. When they've had either turnover issues or have gotten down or, like in the Colts game, they missed some opportunities to score – He's throwing the ball about 38 times a game. So you're like, okay, they're throwing the ball because mm -hmm. they're having to catch up. Like this is like the late game situation against the Colts are having to score twice. The biggest thing I think for Arizona is if they can manage the ball, get take the ball away, not turn it over on their end, this Rams run defense, they should be able to run and be able to put them away in the second half at least as long as they can stay clean. They may even be able to pick off Stafford or you know, get another play late if that's the case. If they get into a spot where they're down because they had an early game turnover or maybe they missed you know, a 45-yard field goal or something got blocked or maybe Aaron Donald made a sack play that pushed the punt team back, if you get down with this team, they've had a hard time of coming back when they're throwing the ball like 40-something times a game. They're just not really built like that. Fortunately, mm -hmm. neither are the Rams. So that kind of leads to that almost seesaw of if this ends up being a close game for the most part, it's really going to be something where I want to see the game be put on Kyler Murray's legs because that's one of the things that we've seen in late games has been pretty much indefensible for teams when it's been happening. You think of the Packers game some end-of-half scenarios, that's one of the biggest spots I think you want to look for. And if there's an area where the Cardinals are going to lose, they're going to look back and say, yep, they turned the ball over too much. They weren't able to run it as frequently. And they had Kyler just trying to throw and lead down the field for the most part, and they just weren't able to get it done. I hope that's not going to be the case on Monday night. I Absolutely. I hope so, too. And I just want to bring up to everybody up to speed real quick. Just went final, by the way. The Sacramento Kings beat the Lakers 125 Ooh. to 116. They so came back. They, oh, they were Sac down by like 16. Yep. Sacramento beat the Lakers. Wow. Um, apparently, LeBron is not an effing problem for the Kings. 
But we are going to get hey, into some Suns, Suns talk in a minute. You know what, oh, man? I don't want what? to hear anything from a Laker. I don't want to hear anything from one of those deers <laughs> from Los Angeles for about we'll get- two weeks. Nope. <laughs> nope. Nope. It's all about beat LA here on the podcast, right? Exactly. Yes, exactly. Yes, exactly. Oh, yeah. So a, a few things that I want to bring up in my final thoughts and, and Blake, we'll let you jump out of here. We're going to just talk a few Suns things real quick after. Uh, thank you again for joining. But the thing that I want to see that I just keep going back to, and it's my same thing with Arizona State football. I want to see Kyler Murray, much like Jaden Daniels, have that game first and foremost everybody's talking about mm-hmm. uh blake said it and jay ness as well said it like all this pressure is on matt stafford he was a former number one pick you know what k1's our number one pick that's what comes with being the number one pick right so i want him to come out show poise not take those 10 to 12 yard sacks because he was the leader in uh yards mm. per sack uh, taking them through the year at what was it 9.6 9.7 per sec yeah. he can't he do runs that 20 yards back <laughs> yeah he runs 20 yeah. yards no just go up into it and maybe you might actually get free and squiggle around or something but you're going to take a four or five yard sack and that's going to be different i want to see him go out ball out and be the player that he's supposed to be i also want to see the cardinals defensive line stop the run and don't let a dude like Sony Michelle run all over you. Now, I don't mean, you know, 120 yards like he did, but that Monday night game, he had what 83 yards rushing or it wasn't that much, but receiving and what, yeah, receiving and whatnot, it definitely added up there, but that run game scared us. And then they were able to get into the play action. That's where they get really dangerous. So if we can stop that as well too, the, the run game, I feel like we're going to have a really good shot at whatever our secondary can conjure up at that point. And lastly, win the damn turnover battle. But that's with every single football game. I don't really want to get into to that too much because that's an obvious one. But I want to share this with you uh, before you get out of here. I'm going to share my screen just real quick. And I want to just bring this up for everybody. This is the, the Rams schedule this year, right? They started off beating Chicago 34 to 14, 20 point win. We found out Chicago wasn't that good. Okay. Indianapolis 27, 24. Okay. Decent win. We didn't think they'd be that great. Didn't make the playoffs. Tampa Bay 34, 24. That was the game to that point. We go in, we smack them. The score is actually closer than it should have been. And everyone's on us and looking up at the Rams, like what happened? Then they go into Seattle. They recover 26, 17. Great. Go to New York, 38-11, as you should. They are horrible. You play Detroit. You win 28-19. That game was closer than 28-19, by the way. That was a lot closer. Houston, 38-22. You're noticing a pattern these last four games? All non-playoff teams. And then they play a playoff team. They lose 28-16. And then they play San Fran the first time, 31-10. Then they play another playoff team, as Blake mentioned, 36 to 28. They lose to Green Bay. Then they get to an easy part. Jacksonville, 37 to 7. You should beat them like that. Good. They beat us only by seven at the end of the day. And remember, we got that onside kick at the end of Monday Night Football. And so we could have gone and done something at the end. Seattle, 20 to 10. Uh, Wilson had like 150 yards uh, passing that game. It was awful. And it was a, uh, that was the Tuesday game. 
keep that in mind. Minnesota wasn't that, was that the game he got hurt in? I think wasn't it? I think if I remember correctly, it wasn't I, the second one. I believe it was the uh, it was the first game at least right after the Niners at least because he yeah you said he had 150 you, passing yep. yards. That yeah. was where he got hurt. He had another 150 passing yards after he came back and that uh, finger just is. Uh, Whatever the you know yeah, those little yeah. skateboards, the tech deck skateboards that like you know the you do like, <laughs> like those little skateboards and stuff like that. whatever those exercises were like you know twenty three hours a day you probably needed to get some more sleep because he did not look right in that game. No, he didn't. Yeah, he was off. Yeah, I and then yeah. and then the Rams down here. I'm going one at one at a time. Minnesota thirty to twenty three. That's without Dalvin Cook, y'all. Only a seven point win. Baltimore. They won by one point. No Lamar Jackson, and we already know the plethora of injuries that Baltimore has. Granted, at Baltimore. Yeah, okay, I get that. Then San Francisco, they lose in overtime after being up 17-0. None of these games impress me. None of them truly stand out, and you're like, wow, oh, okay, you beat Jacksonville by 30 points. No, uh, come on. That's a home game, too. You beat Tampa Bay early in the season. Well, Tampa was awful last year. There's nothing that absolutely jumps out at me that makes me scared. So I'm feeling confident going to this game. Most of everybody here is Blake. Final question for you. The Arizona Cardinals will beat the Los Angeles Rams on Monday night football in the playoffs. If they will, if JJ Watt is able to be JJ Watt. I think it's as simple as that because you'll get a boost to your run defense, your pass defense, and we know that you can run the ball on the Rams. So I think at least we've got just enough to feel confident that the Cardinals can at least have a good run game. I think if JJ Watt can be JJ Watt, that's going to make everyone at least in that team better. That will be able to help force some of those turnovers. I think that'll lift the spirits of a lot of people as a whole. We could even see, you know, with one of those avenues of how guy he's just one of those dudes at least for the most part like there is a whole statistical breakdown that showed we we're talking about like the defensive and pass rushers in general it was basically the first seven games it was a two-man show of aaron donald and jj watt so even though watt wasn't getting the sacks or the same level he was still being very disruptive and i think if you can have jj watt be jj watt uh, that would be at least what you get for the cardinals and at that point at least for the most part you're just at this point i think hoping for a successful part of the season because we want the season to go on. It's so far been, and I think we've said there's been nine times the Cardinals have been in the playoffs since I think the St. Louis days. <laughs> so this is one of those years where they've actually had like not just a good team or a team that like, you know, kind of floundered their way in for the most part, at least with everything. Cardiac cards. Yeah, right? we've, we've seen this team that was been dominant to this point where it's like, all right, the cards are for real. Then everyone gets hurt and suddenly – Oh, see, you thought the cards are free. Look at them flop again. It's like, well, it's it's a little it's a little deeper than that. Hopefully that this cards by getting all those guys back, you'll be able to see that team come. Because you're right, none none of these Rams games for the most part been impressive at least, and they've really I think struggled a whole lot more down as far as getting back to that second half of the season. Like one of the even things I think we can point out is they lost to this Green Bay team that Cardinals really probably had won despite the three turnovers and. That was one of those nationally hmm. televised games that, you know, you had two mistakes by Rondale made, and Kyler has a rough pick, at least as a result of that. They had that third turnover with A.J. Green. Is, that was probably Kyler's, like, superstardom type moment, and still upset that that got stolen from him, at least. That would probably changed some of the season for the most part, as we know it. But yeah. Rams, at least, are just – this is a team that I think the Cardinals, if you can get J.J. Watt back for that, 
this is a team, I think, not to say that they will beat them, but you kind of feel like they should beat them with the way that the teams at least have been trending. You're hoping that you get that boost back from Arizona. It brings positivity and improvement versus being able to see, hey, you got all those guys back, and it turns out it didn't matter in the end. That's one of those narratives you don't want to have for, for Cliff and this Cards team moving forward into what's going to be a really interesting 2022. Absolutely. Blake, where can everybody find you in your work? Oh, you can find out on Revenge of the Birds. I haven't done as much as far as for a lot of the trying to write writing articles, been working at least a whole lot, but still been having time to record a podcast or two, get out some other um, takes articles and had some time to go to some games this year as well. Uh, you'll be able to find all that written content uh, at ROTB pod as well. And then you can find me on Twitter at Blake Murphy seven. Uh, just look for the Blake Allen Murphy and some type of either poorly edited Cardinals meme or probably some terrible pun at least about with how I want Rondale to give me more. Just anything like that, you'll know that's me. (laughs) (laughs) Blake, thank you so much for coming on. That was a wealth of information, and I feel more confident about our chances. I'm going to hit each and every one of you up Monday morning just to get your your feeling right when you wake up. So expect a a message from me early in the morning on Monday. Get your Cardinals take, and Blake – you, st- you stay safe out there, man. Oh, will do, man. If you message me Monday morning, like I'm going to probably be like Eeyore on game days. He's like, oh, they're going to lose again. It's going to be a blow. It's going to be embarrassing. <laughs> that, that's going to be what happens if you do it Monday morning. So it's always like the, what is that called? Like, it's not the Monday morning quarterback, but it's always the game day nerves, I think, that I always Yeah, so. exactly. Oh, yeah, definitely. Hey, thanks again, guys, for having me on. It's been a pleasure. Have a good one, nice man. Nice to see you, Blake. Take care, guys. Pleasure. That was a wealth of information, you guys. That that was more in-depth than I've ever been able to go on to the Cardinals. Amit, what, what are your initial thoughts now after hearing him? Are you feeling any better, or are you still down in the dumps? You know, forget the game plan. Forget all the stuff, the tactical stuff we talked about. I think it just comes down to who's our superstars, right? So J.J. Watt's got to show out. Chandler Jones got to show out. Buda Baker's got to show up and make plays all over the field. We got to see something from Simmons. And then Kyler. And Kyler needs a reliable receiver, and I'm thinking it's going to be Rondale. And then Connor and Chase Edmonds just have to run the ball. Um, and I really don't have that much confidence in A.J. Green at this point. I feel like there's just too many plays. I remember that play, Coach, we were talking about the Green Bay game where we were just like, what is he doing on this play? Yeah. And there's too yeah. many of those plays now where I'm like, what is he? what has he been doing? Like that pick six against, was it the Colts? That pick six, like he didn't even try to tackle the guy. Uh, whatever right. that came so I'm just I'm, I'm just kind of done with AJ Green um I, I I don't think Christian Kirk is reliable in this scheme because it's just he, he the way when he gets open it's just like he, when he's his Kyler's third or fourth option so mm. you know I, I just think it re- really comes down to like forget the forget the game plan it just comes down to who are the better stars can we outshine Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup can we bottle up Cooper Cup because Cooper Cup he was on a. He may be the MVP of the season. Um, like he, he. I mean, he almost had two thousand yards. He almost broke Michael Thomas's receiving record, and he leads the NFL in touchdowns. So, you know, I think we can stop the run game for the most part with JJ Watt and what we have. Um, but it really comes down to can we stop Cooper Cup and Tyler Higby? I, I can't I can't argue that fact. Jay Ness, what, what, when you're listening to Blake talk with some of these scheming stuff and how to stop him, what were your initial thoughts and reactions to that? Oh, I love hearing it. I love hearing in-depth, 
you know, down, dirty Cardinals talk. We don't get it. We don't get it too often, and it's a beautiful thing to hear. Um, and, you know, I told you, there's so many things, and we've talked about it so many times in this on this cast, that there's so many uh, weeks that we've gone into the, the game with question marks on big names in our in our in our lineup. And this is minus D hop. This is gonna be the first time in a while we were all together. And guys, when we were all together, we were eight and oh. We were eight and oh we were nasty. We were nasty. Yeah. Bro, so you know, and, and, and that's another thing I, I want us as Cardinal fans, as Arizona fans, to to shake. To shake that that mindset of, oh, here it comes again. Because, you know, this is a new regime. This regime has finally put together the personnel group that they've been, they've been you know, fighting to get. And it's finally coming together. And I, I, I um... I'll leave it with this for the Cardinals. I'm excited. I feel like there's this black, there's like this little red book that Cliff has. And it's like this extra set of plays that he's been talking about. <laughs> that he's been telling us about for three years. You know what I'm saying? Like, like in the water boy. <laughs> <laughs> right. You guys, one day, one day you guys are going to do a good job and I'm going to open up the red playbook. You know what I mean? And, and I think that we're finally going to get that red playbook. And then you got you know, Vance so, Joseph or Steve Kime coming in. Rah, 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 rah. That's Steve Kime coming in and ruining everything for us. Uh, that's an actually an interesting point. I'm curious to see what Cliff's play calls are from the gun because we have nothing to lose. JJ, final thoughts on the Cardinals before we get into some quick Suns talk here because I got to get going in just a little bit here. Uh, yeah, man, Blake is a, a great guest to have on to cover some Arizona uh, Cardinals stuff. You know, he's just very formative and he answers all the questions that we don't ask, even though we should be asking. But, That's true. Uh, shout, out to, shout out to Blake for coming on again. Uh, it's great to have him on. But uh, Arizona Cardinal fans, you know, like we know what this team is capable of. We saw for like 10 straight weeks of how good this team can be when everyone is there. And I definitely think J.J. Watt is – going to be the the define guy to help this uh, team overcome uh, 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 this Rams squad. Um, I just hope uh, like we get Rondell back. Um, I, I haven't seen much about him. I hope I, I would really get him back. And we just I, I just hope everybody has the same mindset uh, going in. You know, there isn't uh, like some outliers like let's say Humphreys and Max Garcia doubting right. themselves if they can hold a, like a uh, hold their end of the bargain for a, like a full game or even half, like half the game. You know, I just hope everyone is in the same mindset as what Kyler is, because I feel like Kyler really wants to win this game. And he's been getting a lot of shit the last three, four weeks about his leadership and stuff. And I th like the people that have been clowning him about that are just kind of like, uh, like full of it. It's Kyle's third year, and he's leading yeah. a team, and he's trying to overcome all all this other shit with injuries, and him coming back from an injury, and then what the media is saying about him, and you know, just like 
like a gift collar break, you know, like uh, this Arizona team has progressed a lot in the last three years from the Josh Rosen days, the Kevin Cobb days. So this is kind of like a blessing in disguise. <laughs> like uh, no matter if our season ends on, on Monday or in the Super Bowl, let's say, like this is a successful season, no matter how you look at it. Yeah, we bash Cliff a lot and rightfully so. We bash Vance, you know, when he does bad, but we pray when he's good. But you know, that's that's the beauty of sports, you know. Like pe- people need to be held accountable at the end of the day. And we're fans that we've seen a lot of bullshit throughout the years. So I like I, I have a lot of faith in this team, especially with all the people that are coming back. I don't know why Gambo even threw it out that D Hop might be back. Because uh, Gambo's trash. Yes. I don't know why Gambo would do that because he stirred this freaking pot that we do not need on our minds right now. So uh, I have faith. I'm yeah. definitely nervous. And usually when I feel nervous, we usually pull out a win. So uh, knock on wood. I have wood here. I have wood everywhere. So uh, that, that's just kind of like my final thoughts about it. I'm, re- I'm very excited for this game nonetheless. I, I just got good good vibes coming up so the next thing that we need to talk about is the national media basically thinks devin booker is the softest player in the nba because he didn't want to get double teamed in a pickup game and because of the whole thing that we just saw against the the raptors and their mascot first off anybody that defends double teaming in a pickup game tell me two things one when was the last time you double team somebody. The person that's going to be firing those tweets off, you keyboard warrior. When was the last time you double teamed anybody in a pickup I game? I double team because I'm trying to win. But the difference is what I'm playing for means nothing for what Devin Booker is trying to achieve. Exactly. He's trying yeah. to build a skill set to play. I'm trying to win a fucking 11 point. Well, just well, first of all, next time you play, <laughs> first well, to eleven well, first by all, ones and twos, <laughs> yeah. right? Well, if, if we're playing, if we're on the basketball court, first of all, to pick up game and you double team me, uh, it's gonna end bad for your team, and they're gonna cuss you out, and 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 you're probably not gonna want to play the next game. But if you're double teaming Devin Booker in the summer league, it defeats the purpose of him getting out there. He doesn't need to go out there and just sweat. It's not like the dude is trying to go out there and lose weight or burn some calories off. He's going out there to work on his game. And the whole point of double teaming someone is to get the ball out of their hands. So I completely understand Devin Booker being pissed on that in the, in the, in the, in the total concept of I'm here to work on my game. Like, I get that. And if it's you're going to double team me, NBA I'm not players. coming back. It's like, like work on individual defense first. Right. You know, I don't know why you're yeah. double teaming me. It's like, like you can double team in practice if you're going through defensive sets. But hey, like, look, but, that, but that's a mentality but, right there. The, whoever's double teaming is trying to win a pickup game. Okay. I'm 40 years old. I'm trying to win pickup right. games. That's That's all I got left in my life. But if you're if you're some, you know, <laughs> that's all that I play for. <laughs> that's all I do, man. If you're some G League guy, you're trying to make a roster spot. You're not building relationships by double teaming guys that can get you on their team. And I know this because hey, I've talked to some don't let me... guys. No, I was gonna say. It, like, I was I gonna know, say. Uh, so, it... 
What's that? I was going to say real quick. I'm sorry, since I did it twice. But I was going to say, don't let me be on your team because then I'm taking notes and going back to coach. Like, coach, no, I saw it. He can't guard him. No, it, yeah. no, it, we were in we were in the gym. He can't guard him. <laughs> no, so yeah, I mean, uh, so so there's a couple guys in my neighborhood that play professionally um, overseas, and and we actually had this conversation with them because one of them he was coaching my son for a little bit, and um, I mean they're just like, dude, it, it's a brotherhood. Like it's kind of like those like it's a, it's a known thing that you're not supposed to do that. Like it's not like it came out and like that oh my god, rule. Gonna, no, no. Everybody knows that you're not supposed to do that. That is a fact. You're not supposed to do that. It's not like it's like it's like if if you're playing pickup anywhere, right? And somebody undercuts you on a rebound, that's fight. That's gonna be a fight. That's yeah. anywhere, any court you play Idiot. on, it's like the same sort of rule. Like you just don't do that. Facts. And listen, listen, I am a defensive guy. I love going out and, and guarding the best player. Whether I get lit up and he's way better than me, or I can or I can stand them up or make one shot miss, whatever it is, I'm gonna try to get that advantage to get under your skin. And if you're a defensive player in a pickup game and you're guarding Devin Booker, but you play for another team and somebody goes and tries to help, like I'm gonna get pissed at you. Like, no, get the hell away from here. I need to guard this man one on one so I can learn what he does and his tendencies yeah. or whatever it is. So yeah. everything about the double team and anybody that defends it is also trash please unfollow this podcast if you disagree with me please by all means don't need that type of support yeah Jay. and and uh those are the same people that give patrick beverly a pass so we can move on <laughs> there's some things see, i like that see. patrick beverly does legitimately there are i love a player that can get under your skin but he definitely takes it way too far hey but, but then and, but again but again, Patrick Beverly wouldn't wouldn't probably be caught dead double teaming because Patrick Beverly is going to be in your face, hand in your gut. He's not letting you go anywhere. And and that's the thing. Like when you're playing pickup, you're just supposed to like it's disrespectful. If I'm guarding someone, like you said, coach, if I'm guarding something, someone and someone comes up behind me like, yeah, step forward. I'm like, what are you doing, bro? You tell me I can't guard him. Get the hell away from me. Go get your man. Go over there. Exactly. You know, we're playing half court. So that, we're, we're not playing full court. Right. No, none of us have the stamina to do that. Like, <laughs> I got this. I got this. Let me clarify one point here. So, in the double teams in pickup, right? I'm talking about you got some ex Division One dude that played Division One football, but can post. 300 pound dude. You got to send a second. You, you got to send a second guy when the guy guarding him is me or somebody my size. The post. The post. The list. post is different. The post that's, is that's different. What, that's, that's, so that's not like even a double team. Right. That's like a collapse, right? Yeah, I'm talking like you, like you uh, bring the ball to the wing, and then they just rush, like rush you into that <laughs> corner. It, it, it's like, like, what are you doing, bro? Like, <laughs> yeah, but, but most of those book, Booker plays where he had the back to the basket on the elbow or extended elbow. I mean, it was it was similar, but yeah, I mean, I look. If, it, if I was playing Devin Booker, I would double team or triple team that dude as much as I could because he sometimes. Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. Right. But but again, yeah, it's in regulation. It's, it's, it's a, what's that? I said in regulation, like if my clock says right. 15 minutes, yeah, 12 exactly. minutes, if you're, to win minutes. Him, <laughs> if you're trying to win against him, yes, you would do that. But if you're just trying to get yeah. better, you're just trying to compete, you know, see who's who's who. Like, yeah, I don't know. Any dingback can play uh, double coverage. Like we don't need to be practicing that. So 
it, it's 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 ridiculous yeah. and to see the, the a lot of the memes and the jokes and devin booker uh changing his profile picture to the raptor and stuff like that i think it's all in good fun but the lakers fans are coming in they actually think they have something to say about that which is funny considering they just lost to the kings and lebron is is not a muff problem right it the thing that pisses me off is when I'm looking in these comments, you guys, and people are like, yeah, he's soft and he doesn't play defense. The second they say Devin Booker doesn't play defense, I'm just like, you don't even know what you're talking about because I don't know if everybody Whoa. saw the full Whoa. game last night. Devin Booker has been on dudes' asses, pause, when he's playing defense. He has yeah. been he has been in defensive position <laughs> mode. No matter where the switch is, he's out there. He's playing hard. And when I was on uh, Suns Jam session last night, uh, thanks for having me on, John and Matthew, we were talking about the same thing. He plays defense, which is why his scoring is down now too. You can't be going and playing that level of defense and that level of offense in the NBA unless you're Jordan, right? I mean, even Kobe and Steph said they took plays off in the first half. Steph said he played defense maybe forty percent of the time. Like it's just that's just the league and the nature of it when you are a scorer. So people that are saying that about Devin Booker do not know what's going on. The problem is with that though, you guys, is that that's what the national perception is, and perception is reality, especially yes. for people that don't watch Phoenix games and just watch ESPN or Fox Sports or the main affiliates, and that there lies the problem and then you get bally sports espn fox sports hoops only hoops hype or whatever it is they're going out and they're running with this stuff and they're saying devin bookers doesn't want to do uh double teams and doesn't like the raptors mascot and they're just perpetuating that to the nth degree and therein lies my problem with everything that happened i personally don't give a shit i think it's funny if i'm booker i'm doing the same thing i'm doing whatever i can to get whoever's doing this behind the uh, uh backboard in an empty gym to get out of there hell everybody's gonna do anything they can to get the edge in the game i don't know why this is any different and that's right. my piece. But, you know, you know, I got to say it like this. People need to understand um, that, for one, Devin Booker is, is as sharp as any knife you have in your, in your cabinet right now, in your drawer right now. He, remember, before we got Chris Paul, Devin Booker was more defensively focused than he was offensively in games. He was more focused on being the dog – on defense and he was vocal about it he was always talking like i yeah i want to guard the best man on the court at all times yeah i want to be i want to be that guy but what but you know chris paul coming in and being the leader that he is he's he's taking a second to take booker a step back from what he's been able to see say hey we need you to have as much energy as possible in the fourth quarter we need you on the offensive end to have as much availability to carry us in any time, any segment of a game as possible. You know what I mean? So yeah. that I think has, has adapted to this year. Now the average fan is like, Oh, he's not, he's doing a good job. He, he doesn't play defense. Look at him. He's, he's always complaining. And, and, and that's a, that's a problem. Like pay attention to what's, what's going on. Pay attention to the atmosphere in Phoenix now. Look at the team. Look how happy they look when they're when they're when they're playing. 
Look how okay. happy and excited they are as they're winning games. And, and that's what I don't think people are keying in on. And especially I, I, I really want to commend you, Coach, for saying exactly what you said about the ESPNs, the Valley Sports, all these people. You know, ESPN pushes this narrative and all these other, you know, folks, they just come and run Leeches. behind them. And they just leech on to viewers. And, and you know what? That, that is it, it's despicable. It's despicable to a point that how would you represent, and especially I'm going to say, you know, them, and how do you represent uh, sports in a, in, a, in a plain playing field, but jump on things because it's going to get, it's, it's popular at that moment? And, and and that just that is really it's is really disheartening because you're not really doing your job as analyst. You're not doing your job. You're not giving us what we're here to do see. That's your take. That's what you seen. That's what you went out and found. What did you discover from watching Devin Booker? Well, I think Don't Jane, that's, that's why there's a, there's there's a market for us because all this is right. What you see on ESPN and Fox is just narrative and it's just entertainment. They're, they're creating entertainment. He's on fire. Sorry, I was late. WWF. On the drop. Sorry. I mean, we we're yeah, exactly. We're out here just telling you what we see, and we're fans, and we give you a perspective. And maybe it's a little bit biased, but we have more in-depth knowledge than you know the guy that covers the Warriors or the guy that covers the Clippers because they have a bias, and they're going to say Blake, you know, B- Booker's a certain type of guy, or Chris Paul's a certain type of guy. And we're like, yo, you. We saw from both sides. Like, we saw Chris Paul uh, as an enemy, and now we see him as family. And like, you know, he's totally different as family than we, he is as an enemy. Like a lot, all those right. little things, all those little petty asshole things that he would do. Like that was like now it's lovable. Like now we love when he does the rip through. You know, like I used I mean, to, I used to love Chris Paul always, but now I really love the dude. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, we're, we're gonna get on out of here. This has been going for an hour and a half and we could just keep going. The good news is, is that I really want to try to have a, uh, a podcast with us on Friday as well, too. By that time, we should have two injury reports going down. There should be a little bit more information and a little more time for all of us to kind of digest our thoughts about this, uh, Monday night playoff game coming up. Uh, we're going to be with you. Sunday, of course, uh, Jay Ness, I need to talk to you as well too off cam because I haven't fully scheduled it, but I want to make sure that we are able to go live the whole entire game of the Arizona Cardinals versus the Los Angeles Rams on Monday. I'm going to be doing a live stream that of that. Nothing we have to even talk about, man. There, I mean, there we go. <laughs> We're talking oh, to the man. to the co-owner and the VP right now. You're <laughs> talking Arizona. money moves right now. And, and don't forget, the Suns play, I think it's the Spurs that night as well, too. And yes, speaking of, of the of the Suns, last night's game, real quick, after thinking about it, it's actually more incredible that they did win because it's nice to see them get a, a gritty win. And I want to talk more about this on Friday as well, too. Who, who they play, Indiana, on Friday. So it'd be nice to do a little post-game pod around that time, too. But they got a gritty win against the number two offensive rebounding team. I would have like to have seen Monty make a couple more adjustments and keeping Bismack Biombo in specifically. He played five minutes and had five boards. DeAndre Ayton played uh, 30, 31 minutes and had nine boards. 
you need to kind of look at that money. I would love for you to make in-game adjustments, but you know what? Let's wait until playoff time. I get it. They still right. won that game. So they've got Indiana. Nobody take them lightly. They smacked us around the first game coming out of the All-Star break last year. And this, after that game, we will have played 41 games. We are at the official halfway mark right after that game. And we've got 41 more games to go. So we're kind of done with the point of figuring out this team. We know where they are. It's time to make that push. Then we got Detroit on Sunday. And then we got San Antonio Monday. And then to finish our road trip at Dallas next Thursday on TNT. It'll be nice to finally play Luca. hopefully. Uh, not in COVID protocols, and we can keep our, our streaks running at that time. I'm very confident in what the Suns can do. Everybody else should be too. Hopefully, we get more and more players coming back soon. Jay Ness, words of wisdom. Uh, we're just going to leave it up to you. You're going to speak for the crew tonight. Uh, you haven't been on in a while, so please take it away with your words of wisdom. Words of wisdom. Remember what it felt like the last time we were here, guys. Remember what it felt like the last time we were in the playoffs. Remember what they were saying. Remember what the media was saying. We had no chance. Oh, my God, how are they here? They squeaked in. They just squeezed by. They didn't give us no chance. Then we went out and had one of the most remarkable playoff runs. We ran into the Super Bowl. They screwed us out of that bullshit, if you ask me. I, I still to this day want to, want to talk to James Harrison and tell him uh, to tell the world that he stepped out of bounds. Um, but uh, you know, besides that, talk to Entrell Roll. Right. <laughs> you know, but keep that fire. When our team was healthy, we were eight and zero. Oh. We were eight and freaking zero. Oh. Believe. Keep that same flame. Wake up Monday morning, watch, watch. And, and, and again, remember, we have three teams in the AFC West, you guys. Should have had four if Russell, Wilson, if Russell Wilson doesn't get hurt, should have had four. Yeah. If he doesn't drop the bag, we got four teams. We're in the hottest division, the hardest division in the NFL. We deserve to be here. Kyler Murray is a winner. He deserves to be here. Cliff Kingsbury had a vision and is fruitating in front of us. Hmm. On Monday, the Cardinals will advance from the wild card round. And remember, your mindset is always beat L.A. That is a way to end a podcast. Beat L.A. I got nothing else to say. Thank you, Blake Murphy. Thank you, JNS, for coming on. We're going to be back with you guys Friday night, Sunday night, Monday for the game. Go Cardinals. Looking, throws it alley. Oh! He puts it down! He puts it down! They're getting a little wobbly.